Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I was going to do some sort of intro. Yeah, we don't really have an intro for this. This is just no. now going to be known going forward as News Lads, the News Lads, News Comma Lads, all the news, both the lads, every week, and we'll just see <laughs> what comes in. Um, <laughs> all the um, news, both the lads, don't. Every week? Um, and so that might that might be enough. It might be all you need. Maybe someone can take that and make some sort of dance remix out of it. Please do. Um, but yeah, we thought that this week we'd just do a console-based um, spectacular because I've been lucky enough to get um, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. You're way more sensible with your money and you're waiting because you don't doesn't need to get a Series X right now. Partly being sensible, Scott Tilford, and partly just not being able to find an Xbox Series X. Like I'm not <laughs> like you, staying up all night, just hoping yeah, someone yeah, posts a, a link to one that's available. <laughs> um, yeah, I think even if I could get a series x right now if there were some in stock i would have probably waited i'm looking forward to getting one but for me my primary you know focus was on the playstation 5 just because i wanted to play the game so yeah just fair enough i think um that it's just for me i just i have a little i always have a thing where i'll message josh in the morning and just say i've just bought xyz i've just i just got sly cooper on the ps4 or whatever it is some random thing and you say why have you done that and i just say i just have to know it's the it's always i just need to know i just need to know whatever it is and in regards to the series x i just need to know i needed to know what they do it's got an animated background mate i think it's definitely See, worth 500 pounds yeah when you when you do this with like toy story 3 i'm like that's absolutely mad but toy story you know, 3 is so enough, good mate it'll cost you like eight pounds but when you do it with a console or a television i'm like scott tailford this is outrageous no, i'm you- not i'm not i'm not having this from from mr tv himself uh, the reason <laughs> i got my big stupid lg tx is because you're the one banging on about oleds you're the guy on my shoulder going go on go on do it mate go on. <laughs> oh, oh yeah call oh. me mike tv because i just want to like live vicariously <laughs> through you because michael Tell i me. i didn't get an oled i got a qled um eventually but i kind of wish i did get an oled so i'm mm. using you as a litmus test to see whether i <laughs> need to spend another you know, thousand pounds on a it's television ludicrous. that I definitely don't need. No, it's so ludicrous. I don't even know what the difference is between OLED and a QLED. I actually bought the TV on a Black Friday sale and then and then looked up the specs to make sure it was actually <laughs> going to work. Thankfully, it is. Um, but it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, I thought we'd talk a lot about PS5 and Series X type stories, obviously folding in the Series S as well um, on the Xbox side. Um, and mainly, I've got these broken down to four categories. Uh, stock shortages, next-gen price hikes, uh, UI bugs, and then games at the end. Um, so we'll just talk about stock uh, for the first stuff. Because um, there's been a hell of a, a sort of rollout for these systems. I saw uh, Jim Ryan, what, who is from Kenton, Newcastle. Man, I mean, I knew the man was a Geordie man, but he's like, <laughs> you know, he's from Brunier, like, you know what I mean? 
and so he's uh he was talking about uh, he was like i wouldn't recommend launching a console in the middle of a um a pandemic he was like lol 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 we got through it um but but have they got through it i guess that's the sort of overall conversation point because the more that comes out about the stock allocations for both sides both xbox and playstation um the more we're getting delays into december and some stuff even into next year so um xbox's tim stewart um he was speaking at the jeffrey's interactive entertainment virtual conference and he said that i think we'll continue to see supply shortages as we head into the post-holiday quarter calendar quarter uh, calendar q1 and um, which puts the idea of you know stock reliability all the way forward to april 2021 um, Phil Spencer um, was talking on the Dropped Frames podcast um, and said that he apologizes in advance. Um, he says, I think, what the, I think we're going to live in that world, as in the one where we can't get Xboxes for a few months. Um, we're going to have a lot more demand than we do supply. Um, and then on the Sony side, Jim Ryan uh, was talking to a Russian outlet called TASS and said, everything is sold. Absolutely everything is sold. <laughs> Just every last possible thing has gone. I love it, man. Like, um, it's, it is mad. Like, when it was the um, PlayStation 5 launch, I was trying to get a friend of mine, you know, I was, I was online, I, was, I had all of the retailers open, refreshing them at 12 at night, then it was in the early hours of the morning, then it was 12 noon, oh, yeah. the next day it was 9 a.m., and it was just like this mad, mad rush. At one point, um, one re- retailer in the UK, um, Curry's uh, PC World, had like 150,000 users in a queue just yes. trying to get online to see if they could get one. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. even like they were guaranteed. They were just trying their best. So like we've talked about this like a few times when it comes to podcasts and news about whether or not this stock shortage could have been, you know, foreseen, whether or mm-hmm. not they should have had more consoles at launch. And I do think that is part of it, but at the same time, like the desire for a new console is there. We were all wondering whether mm. it was going to have the same kind of ferocity as the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One even did, which was, you know, kind of unprecedented at the time. Like those flew off shelves. Mm-hmm. And from all the reports I'm seeing so far, it sounds like both Xbox Series X and S and the PlayStation 5 are selling even more than the previous generation, at least faster. Mm-hmm. Like I think Xbox had a 40% increase on the last time they launched a console. And by the sounds of things, PlayStation is also just, you know, selling as much as they possibly can. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just don't know if you could have the stock ready to match that demand because I mean, 150,000 people at 9 a.m. on a Friday just trying to get one from one retailer in the UK is oh, like God. madness. How can the you keep up with that level of demand, you know? So I do kind of, I feel a bit sympathy for mm. them and also the people who can't get one currently. Yeah, man. And well, the thing is on the, on the site specific stuff, like having been in that mad rush before I got my Series X, it literally was at like 2.13 in the morning was just around refreshing Twitter. And eventually some guy was like, lads, they're over here. Go check out the, the, the Curry's website. There's 10 in stock right now if you click this link. And I managed to get one then. Um, I think the thing that's really annoying uh, when I was in that headspace before then is that you just don't know where to get them from. It's not like yeah. the outlets are saying like, well, you know, we're expecting to get this many, this much stock and it's spread across X number of months and, you know, come back here. They tend to update on the morning or you tend to find out two hours beforehand. Um, and even the likes of Amazon just say, we don't know when this is going to be back in stock. And it's like, well, surely you do. Like that's just yeah. like a generic sort of thing that they put on there. Um, but I think that a lot of people, you know, it was always that conversation point across 2020 of like, are people going to be able to afford it we've had a hell of a year and have people got you know half a granny to drop on a new console and i think that a lot of people were just saving up for this that this is their big you know final reward to themselves at the end of the year mm-hmm. um and it just sucks that like you know alongside the fact that overall you know stock is sold out a lot of people are getting their um pre even the pre-orders delayed like amazon delayed a bunch of pre-orders into december 
I don't know, did you sort of see it coming? I guess I, for me, when I was in that space of like, I can't get one. And then I remember Benroy being like, well, you didn't pre-order. And I was like, no, but mm-hmm. I should be as a consumer, as a, you know, person on the street, I should be able to acquire this thing, this product that you've said is out. Basically, I was yeah. like, I should be able to get that. And luckily enough, I did, but it meant staying up until two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to an extent, I think you could see it coming just because of what happened in the last launch. You know, they mm. that last launch didn't have the difficulties that this launch has. And even that was like the exact same. Like people couldn't get them for a few months. It was really difficult. Retailers were kind of sketchy as to when they were going to put um, them up, whether or not they were going to be able to deliver on time, whether or not they were going to try- change the orders. But I still do think there's been a level of shambolicness to the whole thing. Like <laughs> Shambolicism. I mean, th- Shambolicism. The night before, um, I was supposed to get my PlayStation 5, for example. Everyone who ordered from game got this email saying, Ooh, oh, by God. the way, uh, you might not get yours tomorrow because we've had <laughs> some issues as well. with the career. The night before, 6 p.m., in an email that went to my spam, even though their um, marketing stuff always goes to my main one. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you might not get it tomorrow, so watch out for that. And everyone was like, well, that's that's bad. That's not very good. But like combine that with the other sort of retailer thing where mm-hmm. they're being kind of weird about, you know, explaining when they're when they're going to be on sale, how much stuff they're going to get. And I'm sure, you know, some of that information might be difficult to get from Sony, but for a big launch of a thing, like it is weird, <laughs> especially around Christmas time when everyone's yeah. kind of wanting it. It just sort of it feels a bit step removed from how you normally launch. Things like this, I know there's always a level of demand outstripping supply, but Mm. here across the board, both from like Sony and the retailers themselves, there seems to be just these crossed wires that are getting resolved and leaves people like me and you sort of in the lurch. Yeah, yeah. Like I I worked um, the Wii U's launch, uh, sorry, the Wii's launch back in 2008. Um, And that thing was just, we, I worked at GameStation like back then and like we got them in and they went out, they went out that day, but it was like, I guess I wasn't the one sort of managing the stock levels and I was just selling them. I was on the shop floor and stuff. And so like, it was a case of them just comes, it comes in over here and then it goes out over there. And we were just getting stock updates, like I guess week to week. Um, But it's just, it's one of those things where you've, they've had so long to plan for it. And it's more just anger on the consumer side. Um, Mm -hmm. I get that if you're, if you are Jim Ryan, if you are Phil Spencer and you're fielding all these questions, it's just like, look, it's not out of, it's out of my hands, essentially. Essentially, we've set this stuff in motion and we can't hit these um, particular demands. Um, Because Game as well also said, I didn't pull the exact quote from this, um, but Game specifically in the UK have had this big clash with Yodel, where um, the game put a big statement out saying that as far as they're concerned, it's kind of Yodel's fault. And that Yodel mm. said um, that they were, it was unfortunate that their name had been mentioned in this context, but they were trying their best to get the system out there. Um, and Game also mentioned that it was because of the PS5 size that they thought that was a factor in why it's been harder to get as many shipped as possible. Um, yeah. Which is an interesting angle on it, the idea that the PS5 is too big to satisfy demand, <laughs> that it takes up too many delivery vans. Uh, that is certainly an excuse, isn't it? Like that is, <laughs> that's something. That is something. It is something. Let's move on to uh, game price stuff. Um, so this is weird, this, because it is such a massive talking point. It is something that needs to be addressed in an incredibly valid way. And I feel like the vast majority of us have kind of skirted over it. And even I, this morning, when we talked about doing this on the podcast, I think because for me, I associate a lot of, you know, day one game pricing with being absolutely ridiculous, unaffordable, especially digital prices. Um, game prices for next gen, especially on, well, only on the PlayStation side for now, but it's it's inadvertently caused a lot of third parties to bump their prices up too. Um, PlayStation have said that all their first party games are going to be £70 um, in the UK, $70 over in the US. Um, and we just wanted to like, sort of touch on that because now that we've played a handful of PS5 games, um, and we can talk about some quotes as to why this is happening, but what's your general thoughts on the idea of games as a standard being £70? 
I'm still kind of in shock, Scott, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, like you said, I saw a slept walk through this news for the most part. Mm. We, we covered it when 2K started doing it and when Sony like announced the launch prices. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't, it didn't feel real until I had them in my basket and I was like paying for them so much. Right. I think partly that's because when it comes to like the US prices, they were bumped up from $60 to $70. But in the UK, it's, it's been a slightly steeper increase because usually a new game here is 50 pounds, you know, mm-hmm. 55 if you're paying straight from the PSN store. But now it's proper 69.99. So it feels like a big, big increase from what we were paying before. And it's just sort of interesting to see the excuses for it. Because I think, you know, in general, there are some quite solid arguments that I think work on There's paper. There's definitely you know, some validity, yeah, yeah. yeah. You point out to things like, well, game prices have remained static, even though everything inflation has obviously happened, and you know maybe they've been long overdue an increase. But for me, it just it doesn't quite cut it, especially in mm. a time where we're getting so many great sort of like free to play games. We're getting these uh, other monetized aspects of games where essentially, you know, while we might be paying the exact same for the core game itself, we're paying much more to get the quote unquote complete experience down the yep. line, you know, through DLC or kind of, um, you know, even like loot boxes or battle passes and stuff like that to unlock Red everything bullets, that's actually like. in it. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it doesn't just because it's, they say, you know, $60, 50 pounds is the, the price of a game now. Like, is it because we we get to pay for a lot more than that to get like the full thing the thing is the the money side obviously there's the initial unit cost and then i don't trust the gaming industry or at least i don't trust certain third-party publishers to not then bolt on a storefront that means that they then benefit you know to the tune of x number of millions of dollars like ea have for example Um, and then they just they get to have their increased unit cost they get to have their cake and then sell you it too and i think that i i'm just skeptical of how much it can be abused although like i said there is obviously validity to the fact that um, game production scales are exponentially bigger than they were back in the 90s and, the, and then even the 2000s. Um, so some different quotes um, from across the board. Um, Jim Ryan, uh, Sony's Jim Ryan, big Geordie man, Geordie Jim, uh, was speaking to The Telegraph um, and said, if you measure the hours of entertainment provided by a video game such as Demon Souls compared to any other form of entertainment, I think that's a very straightforward comparison to draw. Um, I am going to do a Jim Ryan voice. It might be increasingly more Geordie as we go um, because okay. at some point it'll be inscrutable to the rest of the world. Um, but um, yeah, his he's sort of um, thing echoes uh, something that came out across the last couple of years um, that the, the because the game is longer, because you're spending more time with it, therefore, you know, there was a, a, um, a games analyst that compared it to a, a film ticket price last year and said that like, look, you pay, you know, five to eight pounds, 10 pounds, whatever it is um, for certain movies, they last you two hours on average. Um, therefore, a game should be X number more in cost. Um, we'll do some more quotes, but what do you think of the the time invested versus price paid argument? I think it's a tricky thing that I've personally sort of tried to push back mm. at for like quite a while because I don't think, you know, the, the length of a game is indicative of how much it's worth or even the quality that's in it. You know what I mean? Like for mm. me, I've always said that I prefer a tighter 15 to 20 hour experience over a bloated 100, 150 hour <laughs> like mess where, yeah, you can get a lot of, you can get your money's worth from that, but is it going to be interesting? Is it going to be compelling? Is it going to be, is it even you worth know, at that point? Is it even worth it? Is it going mm. to be sort of like quantity over quality or whatever? And I just think, I think it's a weird um, kind of, you know, arguments makes it only really works if you're directly comparing games and movies because like you could, yeah, you could say that, but you could look at like a vinyl or a CD a or even like a stream, <laughs> a book that you can get like hundreds and hours from that costs obviously um, much less. And I think mm-hmm. my general kind of bugbear with the entire sort of 
decision to increase prices is that if this was a decision made to, you know, like pay the developers more, if it was directly going into the pockets of the people who made it, which I know does to an extent, like I would be, I would be totally fine with that. I'm like, yeah, they put in a lot of work, you know, mm -hmm. they put in so many hours, like they deserve that kind of monetary kind of investment and reflection. But ultimately from, from what we've seen so far, at least the evidence on display so far, when these companies make all this money, it's not necessarily going to those people. It's going to the top brass. And then we get situations where games can be incredibly successful, like make billions in profit. And then you still get an entire studios just laid off. You're getting um, <laughs> contractors just mm -hmm. not brought back for more work because the project's over and now they can be moved on. We're getting like QA testers who just don't get many benefits at all, either from a financial perspective or just like, you know, in the company itself, like respect or social recognition or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, d I don't want to just pay to already, you know, bolster the people who are in charge because they're making mad money, not only from the game sales themselves, but like I said before, from these extra monetized elements. And it's mm -hmm. like, like what we get in return. Yeah. We're getting these quality games in some cases. Yes. I love demon souls. Yes. I love Spider-Man Miles Morales. And, and I think the PlayStation five launch, you know, period has been really good, but what is fundamentally different well, from the last gen? One thing that is just stands out for this is like, he cites demon souls as like the, the biggest reason, uh, the biggest justification for like this sort of, um, you know, saying why money uh, price needs to go up. Demon souls is beat for beat. The 2009 game, other than the aesthetics. I know they've added more than that. I know there are animations, but there are literally side by side comparisons out there from proper hardcore demon souls fans going like, look, this is the exact same frame rate data. This is the exact same world geometry. This is like, there was a dude who did a whole breakdown and then said, actually, it's not worth buying unless you want to do it for the aesthetics. If you just want to play, demon souls you know you could find it through emulation or whatever you could just grab the 2009 one if you care the most about gameplay and the feel of that game and the sort of oppressive tonality that it has and everything like that um so which kind of brings about the idea that like you are paying for this graphical upgrade which i would then say doesn't apply to miles morales because that game on ps4 minus the ray tracing like if you had a screenshot or whatever you see it running obviously if you can match the frame rates um i think that game looks nigh on identical like it's a lot cleaner and in 4k mm -hmm. and everything but it's like it's not that much different like i don't know, it's, it's, I, don't know. I, I was impressed by miles morales i'm not gonna lie like visually it, but, yeah. i thought that looked like stunning and i love the stuff it does with like the controller things like that i think that's probably mm. you know there is there is something there that you can't replicate on playstation 4 and mm. you know that is potentially an argument for why it is a, a bigger price but at the same time like you look at the competition i just don't think this is where gaming is kind of trending like this mm. is in direct opposition to microsoft's approach which has been like give us a monthly subscription that's actually quite cheap and you can have gears 5 at launch you can have the elder scrolls 6 right. at launch you can have all of these top games for like 15 pounds a month 20 dollars a month and that includes your online services and some more free games and stuff like that mm. and i just think they are kind of like polar opposites at the moment and it's very interesting that Sony and 2K and the likes um, are just kind of doing that now when we are in a world of subscription services and, you know, being able to pay for a service rather than just an individual thing. One thing is that I am fascinated by as well is like, because, okay, there's, a, there's a, some extra stuff here is that I, I pulled some different sort of data and quotes and things. So um, a few things to throw in here is that um, Activision and 2K were, you know, immediately all in on this. Like NBA 2K went to 70 pounds and above. It's reduced at the minute because of Black Friday, but it was higher when, they, you know, they were one of the first third party devs to jump on it. Call of Duty, obviously from Activision um, as at the you know premium price point. Um, Godfall is uh, 70 pounds from Gearbox. Um, I saw Eurogamer as well highlighted a bunch 
bunch of upcoming titles that are now listed as £70, um, like Hogwarts Legacy, uh, Gotham Knights, and Suicide, Tw- uh, Suicide Squad, uh, Kill the Justice League. All that stuff is coming for 70 Um, And then, actually, I'll get to take two in a sec, but one thing for me um, is that that whole idea that, you know, games, they're so much more expensive to make, the the product, product sizes are, project sizes are so much bigger, the scale is so much bigger. Why? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be like you mentioned that you mentioned before about you'd rather have a tighter experience than something that is bloated and dragged out. And I think that that is so endemic of something like the Netflix model, like for a whole season of, you know, you can tell when something's been stretched out so much. Um, yeah. And something like the last few Assassin's Creed's like, I'm already, I already feel like I've seen everything in Valhalla and I've already played it for like 10 hours. Um, and I know there's another 200 hours in there because there was in Odyssey and I've obviously seen the reviews and stuff. Um, and I just kind of wonder, like, maybe there's a reckoning on the horizon. It was what Sean Layden said when he stepped down from his position at Sony and just said, look, we should have more games overall, like a sheer quantity of more ideas being greenlit as opposed to bloating the ones that we have. And I kind of wonder if that's more of the solution. Um, obviously, they've steered into the price stuff so they can keep keep doing these massive over-the-top AAA games. But for me, I would take more games overall with a much smaller runtime or much smaller project scope. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, what culture gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com 
forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah, I think I would as well. I mean, I think you're touching on a very good point. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like the gaming industry says that people want it, so they're going to do it. It's like mm. when they said horror games were dead. No one wants to buy horror games. That's why we're not making these anymore. <laughs> then EA was like, single-player games are dead. No one wants to play single-player oh, games. Cool. And it's like, do you have any citations for that? Have you got any kind of data backing that up? Have you thought about it Trust me, bro, man. Like, come on, dude. Like, you, I'm, I'm a trustworthy bloke. You can just take my word. I mean, I, I like... hate horror games so clearly. The whole world <laughs> exactly. Everyone thinks me. like me. I don't like Dead Space, so you mustn't <laughs> like Dead Space. And um, I think there is an element, kind of, of that to it when it mm. comes to sort of like the bloat in games and games needing to be, you know, a hit to hit a certain amount of hours before they they are worth sixty dollars or something. But mm. the big issue for me and why it was a genuine kind of like problem and a real frustration and why I wanted to talk about it on a podcast or a video is because I think it pushes out those kind of those newer games or even those titles that, you know, you might want to take a chance on, like, believe Mm. it or not, but I have been talking to you, Scott, for like weeks about potentially getting Godfall for some reason (laughs) in the run up to the launch. I was like, Godfall, I just, I just need to know what it is. I need to try it. I need it. I need it. need it. But I don't need it. I don't need it for seventy pounds. Once no. I like figured out, like it hit me, that was going to be the price. I was just thinking, there's no chance. There's no chance that I'm going to spend seventy pounds to take a risk on a game that's getting six or fives out of ten. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if it was sort of cheaper, if it was the regular price, if it was even a little bit below that, you mm-hmm. know, I would have. If that game came out in Game Pass, I would have absolutely given it a blast. I would have bought right. Game Pass. To give it a try, but as a but result, is like, I don't get to play it, and I don't think Godfall gets a chance with a wider audience who mm. aren't going to part with that much money. Yeah, well, I, th- I think like obviously it's a separate issue slightly, but game prices can kill games. Like I am all in on Harmonix's new game Fuser um, until I saw the price of it, and um, and it's it's a strange conversation to have because it's almost like saying like I don't think this game is worth fifty plus pounds, but it's you know it's like I mean I don't know if you've seen Fuser, but obviously Harmonix Guitar Hero Rock Band um, Fuser is like this new sort of DJ thing where you're mixing a bunch of different music together, and it, it just looks really really cool, but it's like fifty quid or sixty quid, um, and for me in my head i'm more comfortable paying 20 or 30 for something like that and i think that that assumption of price tagged along with whatever they show like it's in an, on an individual basis doing that calculation like you always see a price and look at a game's trailer or whatever and you make that like instinctual reaction of like ah okay yeah. i can i can fork that out um but it's actually i was going to throw in as well um take two's uh strauss zelnick and um, he was talking to gamesindustry.biz um and in regards to the idea of you know um the overall price being higher and um, he said there hasn't been a price increase for frontline titles in a really long time and um, despite the fact that it costs a great deal more to make triple a games we think that with the value we offer consumers and the kind of experience you can really only have on these next generation consoles that the new price is justified but it's easy to say that when you're delivering extraordinary quality and that's what our company prides itself on doing um he he did follow up with um, the same sort of sentiment talking to Ars Technica um, and kind of pulled back from it. Like, obviously, I can see him exploring both sides of it. Um, he said to Ars Technica that they're definitely announcing pricing on a title by title basis and um, said for now, they're just going to observe um, and just sort of wait it out. But I mean, their biggest export is GTA Online, which is like a weird free, like free multiplayer part of GTA 5 that has never been released yeah. separately anyway. 
it's funny, like when, it, when they talk about like, they're going to do it case by case, it's about sort of quality. To me, mm. that just screams, we're going to do it for the franchises we can get away with. We're going to do it <laughs> for the sports games because we somehow get away with so much when it comes to mm. sports games in terms of aggressive monetization and now increased prices. Like, it's funny because, you know, personally, like I'm sort of against it across the board just generally. But if you said the next GDA was going to be 70 pounds, I'd be right. like, Sure, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Like I'm, cost, I'm gonna spend yeah. seventy pounds because to me that that is that's worth it. I know I'm gonna mm. get a lot of money out of it. And while that might be fine for certain individual games like that, certain games that you know are probably worth it at the end of the day. Mm. Like my biggest issue is just sort of how it affects everything. You know what I mean? I don't think it is helpful for everything. Like I said, the Godfall effect, something that people might be intrigued by, something that people. Might want to take a. a I love the start of it, mate. I, I was texting I you, going it. like, "Oh, I'm blown away." Mate. I think I tweeted about it. Um, start. <laughs> that of it, made me want to get it even more. Scott. Yeah. I almost, I almost pre-ordered it for oh, some I'm, mad, mad reason. Everything after the intro bit is when it devolves into just a straight-up repetitive arena-based loop grind thing, and it's like, "Oh, okay, right, I see what you guys did." Um, but the opening, <laughs> yeah, when it's all popping it. off, and there's reflections left, right, and center, <laughs> and it's all particle effects and everything, and uh, I was loving that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think um, Jim Ryan as well, um, for the last point on there, the last sort of quote on this point, um, was speaking to GQ and said, the thing with their blockbuster games is that they need a box office release. And they often cost more than $100 million to make these days. I didn't even do my Geordie voice. And in order to be able to do that and bring new IP to the market, which is a very risky thing to do, and we did it four times in the PS4 generation, you've got to have a box office release. Um, I get that. I think that, um, but that's the thing for me, that goes back That goes back to being hand in hand with the scope and scale of what you're producing. Like I get that you can do this big blockbuster release thing and charge a premium price, but if Sony, as Sony Studios, PlayStation Studios backed a bigger body of titles, you would get around all this anyway, because your blockbuster releases, or the box office release is there by default because you're PlayStation Studios. I don't like the sort of assumption that they're not already getting these blockbuster releases. Just mm. this year, we've had Ghost of Tsushima have become like the fastest selling new IP like in Sony history. Like these mm. games are doing really well. Like it's not a risk and, as much anymore, although they did no, kill Concrete Genie, but still. Well, they, they, they did. You know, they did. But, you know, for, like <laughs> the big hitters, when it comes to like the Sony proper, you know, blockbusters, blockbuster games that will cost 100 million that need this big weekend, mm -hmm. they're already getting them. Spider-Man was just confirmed to have sold 20 million copies, which is absolutely ridiculous for a single console <laughs> we've got the likes of the last of us uncharted um like i said ghost of Tsushima, horizon god of war all of these great games mm. it's not like they've not sold they've sold really well they've sold yeah. in most cases either better than the previous installments in their franchises or they've set records for being the fastest selling uip even days gone days gone sold <laughs> like mad mad copies at launch made man. a hell of a lot of money and it did it all without needing sort of a 70 pound price tag. To me, it's just a case of you can, you can give me all the spin you want. You can mm. give me all the arguments you want. I know for, for brass tacks though, the reason you're doing it is just because you can. It's because yeah, you've yeah, got these, yeah. people are going to buy them. You know, you've got this inbuilt audience. It's not about quality. It's not about time equating to a certain amount of monetary value. It's just because you can do it. It's going to make you a lot of money and you have to do nothing in your end. You can just pump the prices up and reap the rewards. It's, it is in a way, it's old school Sony. Like, you know, when the PS3 yeah. came out, a hubristic Sony. Yeah, totally. Like exactly that. That was that was the end of the point there. <laughs> I was wrapped up. Um, next point. We I don't know how much long we've been going for, but we'll do a know. little bit more. Um, next bit. Uh, next big sort of talking point is the uh, all the UI stuff, the launch day bugs, um, and the way that Sony have completely dropped the ball with uh, a certain part of backwards compatibility. Um, something that it's 
this is just weird. Um, you'll different people will have experienced this depending on which games they bought, which sort of saves they're trying to bring across. Um, because on the Xbox side, everything is handled through smart delivery. It's literally just fire up the system. You know, the games load in as normal. You've got your big game library, and it says in the corner if it's optimized for Series X um, slash S. Um, and that stuff just works. Like that phrase is used so much. Hashtag Todd Howard, but it's literally like trotted <laughs> out so much um, of like, oh, it just works. On Xbox, it literally just works. Like I just I put in uh, everything from what dogs to going back on splinter cell to whatever and it, be, it loads up it checks the cloud save it brings it in it works you get the best version of that game um and it's brilliant sony have done none of that and uh, their whole <laughs> thing um has just been ridiculous like they only put out in the last sort of few weeks the idea that you know games are going to get ps5 editions ps5 updates like rocket league no man's sky obviously they, they released a full-on version of spider-man for the ps5 um, however, if you drill down into these games, um, some of them don't recognize your saves and it's this weird minefield of not knowing which game will support your past progress um, and which games will. Um, so on No Man's Sky's side and the Spider-Man Remastered, um, they initially, well, No Man's Sky did from launch, but Spider-Man's just been patched for this. Um, you have to go into your old version of the game, go on the PS4, upload your save. So it's not even on the, on the system level, you're doing it inside the game. Then mm-hmm. load your, um, the PS5 version of No Man's Sky or Spider-Man man and re-download that save all inside the game you can't do it on the system level if you just open spider-man remastered before the most recent patch it wouldn't recognize the save data that was on your system you have to manually upload it and re-download it inside the game um, hello games did that for no man's sky um, however other games the vast majority of them uh, mortal kombat 11 being one of the biggest ones doesn't recognize your ps4 data um, it does Ooh. a server sync so it'll give you whatever you've unlocked and it'll give you you know like uh, costumes and skins that you've bought and stuff like that things that netherrealm are able to sort of ping on their server side um, but it doesn't recognize your campaign progress it doesn't recognize anything to do with your player data um, because as far as the system is concerned it's the ps5 version is a new version of that game and so the really awkward stuff um, involves trophies where Spider-Man Remastered, as another example, um, you know, came with its own set of trophies, which if you import a save, it just pops all 42 trophies at once and they all come up in the top corner, all sequentially one by one, same on No Man's Sky. Um, and all of it sort of points to the idea that Sony did not plan for this. They didn't plan for full-on backwards compatibility um, or the idea of saves being transferred very seamlessly, whereas this has been Xbox's bread and butter. They even called it smart delivery and they sold it with that stuff in mind. Um, so final thing for this big old point is that on uh, Rocket League's case, um, the developers were talking about the fact that Rocket League on Series X can support 120 frames per second, but the PS5 doesn't. Um, and so they uh, were quoted as saying, enabling 120 uh, hertz on Xbox Series XS is a minor patch, but enabling it on PS5 requires a full native port due to how backwards compatibility is implemented on the console. And unfortunately, that wasn't possible due to their focus being elsewhere. However, I know that's a point about frame rates, um, but I think that points to the reality of the way that the system architecture on the PlayStation doesn't, it can't do a, an upgrade on its system side to carry everything across and it's be it's on the developers now to code these weird cloud upload type things game by game to get your save data across and when it comes to like that stuff right um i didn't notice much like when i was actually playing until i realized i was playing the wrong version of call of duty black ops cold war i was on the playstation 4 version and i thought why 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 has it done this to me i'm not on a playstation 4 Mm -hmm. and it keeps wanting to load it i think it's because i transferred it over from my hard drive from my playstation 4 to my playstation 5 so it was there before the playstation 5 version downloaded 
but you know that doesn't really matter it's not that it's like it it does that anyway that's another part of it is that like the whole the system ui will suggest the wrong version because they (laughs) haven't coded it in a way that recognizes or or prioritizes the upgraded version of those games i did the exact same thing with sackboy and i redeemed codes for sackboy and call of duty and both of them still defaulted to the ps4 version on the dashboard which is ridiculous it's so weird and it's it's like it it works fine it just has that kind of classic sony obtuseness that you know i feel like is really outmoded at this point really outdated Mm. especially when the competition is so far ahead Mm. like doing this stuff for me the biggest issue and the biggest disappointment i suppose is the thing that the rocket league developers were talking about you know i was really looking forward to playing call of duty warzone on the playstation 5 to see how the high res texture pack updated to see how it performed Mm -hmm. and it kind of sucks that xbox gets this 120 frames per second kind of mode just patched in just turned Mm -hmm. on whereas for playstation they would have to you know change how it's ported over you know they would have to do something much more substantial to get a feature that just works on xbox and it's kind of mad that that's happening when especially sony like has this marketing deal with activision where it's like play on the PlayStation, like any PlayStation you want. Like that's the best version of the game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's much harder to get things that are sequel, simple but substantial to work on that machine. And well, how it's many it's not like the biggest like, deal breaker, but it's, 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 it's frustrating when you actually have it in your hands. Yeah, yeah. I was going to just quickly say like the amount of duplicates that can end up in your library as well. Like initially it'll recognize like an alpha or a beta. Like it'll have a PS4 version of a game next to the PS5 one. Sometimes the PS5 one disappears if the PS4 one isn't fully installed. Or like if you go on the store, like for Borderlands 3 and for Mortal Kombat 11, you've got to go on the store for the PS4 version because that's the only one that's on the store right now. And then the developers have posted an update to a link to the PS5 patch, which you then have to like go through and it's like well do i download the ps4 one and the updated patch or if i go through to the patch is the download going to take care of everything it's just it's a big old thing it's 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 so strange because i've like i've had a nice time with my playstation 5 <laughs> i've been really enjoying it i took a day off work i had a lovely long weekend with it but there are all these really kind of minor issues that just sort of add up to a strange launch you know what i mean like we haven't even talked about the kind of issue with certain crashes or certain bugs or things just not quite working as they should. And I remember before launch when you had it and you were talking to me, I was like, Scott, man, it'll be fine. They're probably not even that big, big (laughs) of a deal. You know what I mean? They're just things you got to live with. This is a console launch, but now I've actually got one myself and I'm actually experiencing them myself. I'm kind of thinking, Ooh, this, this, this (laughs) probably isn't as smooth or as polished as it, as it could be, you know, Mm. especially for a launch that has been, so tumultuous it kind of it sucks a little bit like like i said it's not a deal breaker by far but it sucks Mm. a little bit to have those kind of issues with delivery and stock and stuff like that slip over to the actual machine itself Mm. and the problems that you're facing you know day one well you shouldn't you shouldn't kotaku shouldn't do an article called how to tell if you're playing the next gen version of your game like it should immediately uh, prioritize the one that you bought the system for. It's just stupid. Um, I really, I really, the, the thing is, I was more forgiving of it until I saw how the Series X handled it, and, or, or the Series S even, um, because it's so seamless. And on the Xbox side, it's so much tighter. Like they just, they know exactly how to give you the version of the game that you want with all the, the correct upgrades and updates applied. Um, and you just go into it the way 
that it should be. It should be seamless. And you can just tell that they've planned for it in a way that Sony haven't. Um, and I just, I hate the whole juggling cloud saves. Like, where is my save data? I actually lost some save data because randomly my need for speed file just deleted itself. And I was like, cool. But it's just that whole thing of like having to, like you, you messaged me like on the night of getting your PS5. And we're like, how do I, how do I even get the PS5 version of Call of Duty? Because it's saying yeah. that it's downloaded, but where is that? And I was like, oh, well, you've got to go to this tiny three dot menu and then button through to the PS5 one. It's like, that things that can be solved, but you shouldn't have to. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I saw them side by side that I was like, oh, okay, this is how it should be done. And then it just feels so much like Sony are playing catch up. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, totally. The uh, final point is just very quickly, we can talk about some games, um, or the games that are coming anyway. Um, and this is just more of a talking point around uh, God of War, um, where in a, a recent Telegraph interview from, uh, with Jim Ryan again, um, he said he's got no to say about that today. <laughs> So he's <laughs> sick of being asked about Here, God of man, War. I've got no to say about God of War for you today. <laughs> a tree of some time, man. So it's yeah, all so mine, all mine. <laughs> Fog on the Atreus is, uh, it might potentially be coming to the PS4. So the thing is, obviously, it's a big old talking point um, considering that uh, Horizon and all these other Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Sackboy, whatever, are all coming out on PS4 um, or some of them are already out on PS4. Um, whether or not God of War 2 is also going to be on PlayStation 4. Um, and very recently, Mr. Jim Ryan was asked about that. And instead of just saying... No, it's a PlayStation 5 exclusive. He said he's got nothing to say. He's got nothing to say <laughs> about that today, um, which is a lovely rhyme in Geordie. But still, do you think that God of War 2 is going to be on PS4? Uh, probably. I mean, if he's thin, he's got nothing to say about it in the fact that Spider-Man is and the fact that Horizon is, it sort of points towards them putting it on there. Like, I don't I know why PS5 you wouldn't just games. confirm it as a PlayStation 5 exclusive like they have with Ratchet and Clank if mm-hmm. it kind of wasn't. I don't think they have anything to lose with that, unless unless they are kind of, because it's coming out presumably at the very end of last year, if it doesn't get delayed, Next maybe year. they're wanting to kind of, you know, make sure people jump to the PlayStation 5 first. So mm-hmm. it doesn't appear from like an optics perspective that they're now suddenly cutting off PlayStation 4 players. Because I think if you did announce that now, it kind of does go against their message of, you know, like we're trying to make this as synergistic as possible, even though we're pushing ahead with next generation. We believe we believe in the next generation. We've still got important plans for the PlayStation 4. Maybe that's why he's kind of not talking about it now because he doesn't want to undermine that messaging. And he mm. wants to kind of, you know, you know, a year in that kind of cutting ties with the past gen is kind of a bit more accept- acceptable perhaps. That's that's definitely, yeah. He's, he's said in various different outlets that it's because they, over whatever it is, 100 million people have PS4s. He doesn't want to cut those people off, which is just hilarious because it goes in direct contrast to the whole we believe in generations thing that they had at the beginning, which was clearly their mandate up until a couple of months ago where all of a sudden Xbox was gaining so much steam and they were like, oh crap, we should do something that you know respects the previous purchases, allows you to carry things over, which I think is why a lot of the UI stuff is such a mess. Um, however, um, one last thing I was going to say, because um, he was also talking to GQ, um, and this is another sort of point about the, the wider um, approach to games going forward, um, and just sort of hinted at the idea that they might be doing a Game Pass type thing. Um, so speaking to GQ, Jim Ryan, I won't do the Geordie voice, because oh. I've done, I've done a, I can, I'll do the, do the Geordie voice. One more just, time. Yeah, I want, I want some feedback on Twitter whether or not um, the Geordie voice is actually impossible to understand from uh, anyone who's not from the Northeast. Um, so he was speaking to GQ um, and they were talking about Game Pass and things like that going forward. And he said, PS Now and Plus are very important to us today. They- 
very important to us to do it. Uh, this year, we're just trying to keep it focused on the PlayStation 5 and the games, but that doesn't mean that we're thinking deeply about our services and figuring out some quite interesting stuff that will get its moment in the limelight. That bit, that interesting stuff is what's been cherry-picked and said that might be something in regards to Game Pass. So it seems that they're going to do more with PS Now going forward, basically, or the, the idea of combining PS Now and PS Plus. Yeah, give me that. Give me it so me much. I quite like PlayStation Now as a service. I liked it even more when you were able to download PlayStation 4 games. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's just ripe for being expanded a bit more. I don't mm-hmm. think we'll see them directly compete with Microsoft when it comes to you know having Uncharted 5 on PS Now day one or anything <laughs> like that. But I think a, a bigger service, a more reliable service, the ability to d- download more games, maybe more games coming to the um, the PlayStation 4, is it like Classic Collection or whatever it is? Something like that. And um, I think that would be really cool and it ultimately sort of makes sense to put the focus now on the console itself, the games, and then in a few years' time or a year's time to be like, we've also been cooking this up, we've got changes to come. <laughs> it's the classic Sony thing of mm. things that happen Thing. And it might be a big thing. It might just be a tiny update so we can just say we've, we've done something. I don't know, but Speaking um, of, I wouldn't be against it at all. No, me neither. Speaking of tiny updates, uh, I just want to throw something in for the Xbox side of forward-thinking, forward-looking Xbox stuff. Um, I thought I'd just Google and see what's going on with Halo Infinite because that should have been out by now, um, but yeah. it's just sort of languishing in the corner somewhere. So um, 343 have put an update out um, saying that they're not going to do anything for the Game Awards, um, but the PR put a statement out saying that we're working with the team to provide an end-of-year update and to establish plans uh, to be much more communicative in the coming months. So they're planning to have a plan. They're going to do something. <laughs> it's going to I don't want to compare it to Anthem, Scott, but it very much sounds like the Anthem. We've got, we've got, a, we've got a plan. We've got a plan for a roadmap. Just Ugh. it'll, it'll be out at some point. Just 2021 is. Gonna I don't want to hear game. about Halo, man. I don't want to hear about hear about Halo until it's out. Like I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm so done. We've done far too much news on it this year. Not wrong. I just, I can't, I can't. I have nothing more to say other than I hope it's good. Hope it's worth the wait, and I hope they crack on making something interesting and nice. Well, we almost definitely will do uh, 10 more news videos between now and when it actually comes out. But I think I like 2021 that. will be the, the year of resurrections because it's Anthem, potentially event well, potentially Anthem, potentially the Avengers, um, and potentially Halo. Um, so yes, we'll um, keep on top of whatever else rolls out. I forget, we, we're going to go with news lads for this. News we're lads. the news lads. All news, every week, whatever I said, it was good. Um, we'll make it work. Um, we're the news lads. This has been the news lads. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the tagline. <laughs> Good. I'm pretty sure that Zoom has made us go out of sync, but we're not going to fix that in post. So just, you know, it'll work itself out. Um, For now, though, yeah, this has been the news, lads. Take care of the news, lads. And we'll catch you next time. I've been Scott, joined by Josh. Hi. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.